It's time for Thursday Finance with Barry Preston joining me, Jan Klein, and we'll be looking at building wealth. We'll also take a look at commodities in our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Barry Preston, well, commodities, they're up, they're down, they're all around. Actually, most of the commodities are up. Oh, good. Probably because our dollar has dropped. But gold uh, has uh, moved 2.3% ahead, or $32 per ounce Australian, to 1433 Silver, not a big jump, approximately 1% to $19.53. That's only about 20 cents. Um, copper, it's the only one that went into negative territory, down 94.85 Australian dollars to 7,762. Nickel, $204 or 1% ahead to 19,267. And the biggest mover was tin, 406 or 24,155. Uh, a sea of red as far as our currency is concerned. We uh, can't buy as much as we could. Uh, we would only get approximately 84.04 American cents for our Australian dollar. That's down uh, 1.6% or 1.43 American. The British pence down 1.38% to uh, to 53.58 British pence. The Chinese yuan renminbi down uh, approximately 1.7% to sorry to 5.15 yuan renminbis. I wish they'd make it a lot easier to say those things. It'd make me like Chinese dollars and cents or something like that. Practice but anyway. makes perfect, doesn't it? <laughs> the New Zealand dollar, we're um, not too much, or not too bad. They're down half a cent to a dollar and eight. New Zealand, the euro, 0.68 euros. We're down approximately half of a percent. And Canada, we're down 1.36 to 95.54 Canadian cents. And the markets, we're down 79 points, or 1.4% to 5,301. The American went the other way. They're up 84 points, or just under half a percent, to 17,912, the Dow. The Nasdaq's down about a third of 1% to 4,774. The UK FTSE is down just 0.2, or one-fifth of 1%, to 6,712. The Nikkei really jumped, nearly 2%. Actually, 1.9% or 336. No, well, it should because they've been pumping trillions of yen into it. I don't know, or into their markets over there. The Hang Seng down 2.8 or 683 points to 23,428. Oil, and I know we talk in Australian currency, it's 79.2 Australian dollars and it's down 7.66 Australian dollars or 8%. That's the American oil. Our tapas is down very similar, 7.76 dollars per barrel or 8% to 87.62. And it is slowly reflecting at that thing they call the Bowser because unleaded on the central coast is 144.3 and we're well below them. We're 139.4. Last week we were 141.5, and I've seen it at 133. Mm. I think they might have put the wrong figure in. But anyway, I've seen 131. Have you? Oh, well, that's E10, so E10, perhaps uh, it doesn't yeah, well, count. E, well, mm. at 134. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sydney, we're not far behind them now. They're 132.7. They're down uh, uh, 6% over the week on their uh, unleaded. Diesel is not moving as fast as it should down, in my opinion, but uh, the Central Coast is 148.5. Our Diesel is 147.9 and Sydney is 142.4. Here's a bit of a conundrum. If you were travelling to 
up the Pacific Highway and you pulled up at Buller Dealer to get some petrol, you'd probably pay about 143. But if you called in at Foster, you'd pay 153. And that's only about, what, 40 k's away or something, isn't it? Or 50 mm. k's? Oh, it's a big must, hill, though. It must be the transport. Must be. The- and Grafton, would you believe, is the same as Newcastle, where once upon a time it was... Uh, Anyway, cheaper. So why are we... Conundrums. Conundrums. Question marks galore as far as fuel prices go. So if anyone tells you it's transport, just look at them and smile. Now, just before we leave our commodities in our current situation, uh, the Reserve Bank left interest rates, official interest rates on hold, left them the same again. Mm -hmm. But people are now starting to say maybe next year interest rates might go down. (laughs) If they do, they can probably get in about a quarter of a percent to 2.25 if they do. But I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. One of the biggest things that's uh, challenging, I think, the Australian economy at the moment is that word called confidence. Maybe if the politicians got out into the uh, into the areas and came out and s- talked to the people and find out what's going on out here instead of throwing muck at one another in the green or red room down there. Mm. To NURFM, Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, our market snapshot and with Henry Jennings. And of course, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice and a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered be before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with BBY Limited or Pritchard and Partners Proprietary Limited may trade shares that we mention on our program. BBY's Financial Services Licence 238095, Pritchard and Partners 246712. Getting a little bit tongue-tied there, Henry. How are you? I'm good, Barry. How are you? Well, thank you. And by the way, I believe Medibank is sending back all the investor excess money. Today? Isn't it? Yes. So keep an eye on your mailbox or uh, bank account. Bank Bank account. Now, the RBA may cut cut interest rates if the Australian dollar stays high. Now, hang on a second. Hasn't the Australian dollar been over about 108 and now it's down to 84 and they're saying it's too high? I thought it would have been too high then. Me, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, uh, the the dollar now looks high compared to where commodity prices are, uh-huh. because ultimately we are a commodity-based economy. Like it or not, we don't have an awful lot of manufacturing left um, to speak of. So commodities <laughs> are our, our big um, our big business, and as the prices of oil, gold, um, iron ore, especially and coal, have fallen, um, so that terms of trade have, have fallen as well, and. and We'd like to see the Aussie dollar down, so it kind of gives us a bit of a buffer um, for those falling prices because they're all in US dollars. Interesting. Now, once upon a time, we had peak oil, and there was a fear mm. of running out. I believe that is now a distant memory. So we let's pump more, flood the planet. But then again, this is good news for some because we are now getting an actual tax cut in the pocket. Yes. No tax. Yes. Beautiful. It is good news. I mean, it is good news. I mean, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, it's not good news for oil producers, um, but it is good news for average consumers who, instead of having a rate cut um, this Christmas from the RBA, um, is having a, uh, a petroleum uh, cut. Um, so we are seeing cheaper fuel at the bowels. In fact, in the US last night, I saw that one uh, petrol station had actually been selling a gallon of petrol for under $2. Wow. Where was that? Oklahoma, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, somewhere like that, where the wind goes flying through the plains. Something like Um, that. Something like that. So, yeah, it's, um, I mean, obviously we haven't got down to those levels yet, but one of the problems we have is that as the Aussie dollar goes down, that that also doesn't have a good effect on the petrol prices because, again, they're in U.S. dollars. So um, as the oil price comes down, if the Aussie dollar goes down, they kind of, um, 
you know, they kind of um, negate each other to some extent. Metcash Trading took a bit of a beating. That's Australia's third largest food retailer. But also, what about Wow Woolworths? They're having some challenges. And, of course, Coles is upbeat. Bunnings is uh, uh, not smashing, but is making it difficult for Masters. And Mm. Masters seems to be on the down, down, down. It's probably caught the Coles syndrome. It's still doing very well with your puns there, Barry. Thank you. You it's worked okay. hard on those. Um, yes, at the moment, Woolies are very much in the uh, in the doldrums, um, although they are slightly better today. And as you rightly say, Metcash have had an absolute shocker. Um, there's a lot of problems that they have in terms of uh, increasing competition from the likes of Aldi. Um, they're at that kind of end of the market a little bit. So um, there is increasing competition from Aldi. Woolies also has a bit of competition from Aldi, but mainly it's competition is from Coles, which is perceived as having lower prices and woolly sales figures have been a little disappointing and they also as you say have got the sort of the running sore that is their master's operation which seems to be hemorrhaging money um, at vast um, at vast sort of um, speed so um, so yeah it, it, it's not easy being woolies at the moment but um, I have to say I think that sometimes you've got to stick with the uh, the quality companies and this still is a quality company so, it certainly um, we'll is Mm. Now, here's a negative positive. How's that? Those yep. uh, with self-managed super funds, the beneficiaries may find it difficult servicing the uh, beneficiaries in time because we're living longer. We need more money. I know. Well, that's, this is the problem, isn't it? We are living longer and we do need more money. I mean, in the old days, you know, you retired at 65 and you were dead by 67 and the government could give you a pension at 65 because that's how it worked. Um, nowadays, you know, we're living till our late 80s and sometimes even longer and our quality of life and our demands on the quality of life um, have got more and more um, kind of expensive and drug companies are, are keeping us alive longer and they charge a lot more for this. So it is going to be a challenge going forward. It, it's it's a big challenge, not just for Australia, but uh, in the SMF uh, and self-managed super fund game, but also around the world, because um, you know, Japan is an ageing population. China mm. also has to face this, and the US as well. That's if they don't shoot them all first. <laughs> and that doesn't just apply to SMFs. That applies to all super All super funds, all super yeah, just not, yeah. Yeah. not yeah. only I mean, self-managed that, supers. And the ones run by the institutions as well. Yeah. Absolutely, every yeah, super exactly fund. Exactly the same issues. Yeah. Now... Take care, you big four banks out there, because I do believe that News Corporation, James Packer, Kerry Stokes are getting into a bit of a consortium and they're going to develop something that's called unsecured lending. Hey, Unsecured lending. I think it's called loan sharks. Oh, I think this is just a uh, an updated technologically uh, sort of it's like the nimbles and the and the uh, the payday uh, lenders as well. Um, but these are actually I think doing peer to peer lending where um, we've seen things like Betfair where um, you can not just um, bet on horses but you can actually lay uh, the odds. So this society one is actually going to be matching people that have money want to lend it to people who don't have money um, and they will be able to choose the kind of risk level that they want. Um, could be um, could be quite interesting, but mm. uh, I don't think the banks have anything to worry about just that. I think they've got more issues actually than than that in terms of uh, people like PayPal and those sorts of yes. things in terms of the payment systems than uh, than unsecured peer to peer lending and, and and similar things like that. I think they certainly do, and the world is changing. We know that now. It is. 
Is the old buy and hold, this, we're talking about shares now, is the old buy and hold quality company still a good strategy or when we have day traders, computer traders, uh, algorithmic traders, uh, politicians mm. with unusual policies, all affecting the world's markets? I don't know. What do we do? Um, well, I mean, traditionally, you know, uh, investment advisors say, you know, they talk about the buy and hold strategy and you pick good companies and you hold them over a long period of time. That, that still does work as long as you pick good companies. But at the moment, we are, we are certainly seeing massively increased volatility in things. Um, you know, some of the, the so-called sort of blue chip stocks, things like Santos, you know, they've had uh, an 8% fall today and that comes on top of uh, falls in the last uh, week or so. You know, it wasn't long ago they were $12.50 now. At eight dollars fifty, and that's mm. supposedly a blue chip. Um, you know, if you want oil exposure in your portfolio, that would be one of the ones in there. Uh, maybe with Woodside as well. So, um, set and forget is, is is hard work these days. You have to really be prepared to tough it out, or you have to take a far more active approach um, and you know try and buy good quality stocks on the dips, like we're seeing in things like Santos and Woolies. Um, but equally, you have to uh, have to be happy to let them go. Um, when they are on high prices, and you have to do it so so much more actively, I think, these days. Henry, I know you have your credit card ready to fill up the Learjet and petrol. What do they call it? Uh, aviation fuel. As soon as we come back, let's go overseas. Thursday Finance and our market snapshot, Barry Preston. It certainly is. Henry, the oil, why do you think the Saudis may be waging a tactical war against the U.S. shale um, oil? Well, this is this is the big question at the moment. I mean, usually when uh, when oil takes a tumble, OPEC all gets together, they gather round, um, they have a few tea and scones, and, uh, and they talk about production cuts. But this this time out, they didn't actually uh, announce any production cuts, and there is a sense that maybe they are trying to put pressure on the emerging uh, U.S. shale producers, which are effectively making the U.S. far more independent in its oil um, and getting much cheaper energy. And, and the problem that they have is that they've had this sort of cartel situation for a long time and they don't really want anybody else sort of busting it open because they do tend to lose control of their market and most of their income for their countries is, uh, is from oil. So um, there is a feeling that sub sort of $70, a lot of the U.S. shale producers are hurting and they have to borrow a lot of money to uh, continue to drill uh, more and more wells as they sort of tail off in production, uh, which is the nature of fracking. So at the moment, that seems to be the sort of conspiracy theorists um, <laughs> are suggesting that that's what uh, the Saudis are up to. Mm. Um, of course, it's going to cause some fractions within OPEC as well, because uh, countries like Iran um, and uh, Iraq as well, and Libya and uh, Venezuela, rely so heavily on oil to keep their people happy. Uh-huh. Um, that, um, Would that Russia be in there to- too? Uh, Russia is uh, hurting big time, yes, yet. Mm. Not mm. much fun for Russia. The Saudis need the money. They may need the money, you reckon? Yeah. Seriously, what about all the cars they drive, Rolls Royces? Maybe they should okay. flog those. Rolls and... are going up and brave. Oh, and fair enough, price. anyway. Interesting. The USA, now, Henry, this is interesting. The USA yeah. debt is $18 trillion. They're running out of zeros over there. Now, you yeah. said in one of your reports that it took something like one, sorry, 74,984 days or 204 years to rack up the first trillion dollars. How long has yeah. it taken to rack up the last one? Not very long. 
it's a bit the same as my wife going shopping with the credit card. Ah. Um, it's 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 quick and it's dirty. Um, they certainly seem to be racking it up. In Obama's presidency, um, it has been racked up at an alarming speed. Of course, the poor man did inherit the GFC, um, and they have had to sort of spend themselves out of it. But now, uh, most of the uh, most of the sort of the U.S. budget that they receive is going on essential services rather than um, sort of luxury items. So um, the U.S. is still very much marred in a little bit of a mess, um, but they seem to be getting out of it somewhat better than some of the other countries around the world. But uh, $18 trillion, pretty soon that becomes a lot of money. I think it was, I think in your report you said about 403 day, days to rack up the last one, but 75000 yeah. to rack up the first one. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, that was when a trillion was a lot of money. Absolutely. Think. Yeah. Now, Henry... Uh, good news. Your homeland, apparently, either I read somewhere, I think it was in one of your reports, that the UK uh, was nearly on the brink in 2010, but now with it's got higher growth, lower unemployment, falling inflation, uh, and I believe uh, they inherited a, a big debt. I wonder, and, I wonder, is Tony and Joe listening or watching and learning? Um, yes. Um, it was interesting that actually the UK um, decided yesterday to pay back its debt from the First World War. Oh, seriously? That was a hundred years ago. They paid back the uh, the war bonds that they issued in World War One because interest rates are so low, they thought it was a good time to do it, and they're hoping to pay off even more of the debt uh, from, from some, of these, uh, some of these conflicts they've had in the past. But that's staggering, isn't it? A hundred years, and they've paid off the, the World War I um, war bonds. So, most, most of people holding those war bonds would be dead by now, wouldn't they? I think that was the idea. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you may be onto something, Barry. Listen, here's something. This is a bit of a challenge. Cyber criminals apparently are hacking into inside information on companies that may be looking at mergers and acquisitions or something. So they're getting mm. the inside information to trade, make money before the proper investors get the information. What's mm. going on out there? Well, I think, you know, cyber criminals are unfortunately everywhere and there's an awful lot of uh, very clever hackers and it probably doesn't take an awful lot of uh, now. So if they can hack into things like the CIA or the FBI or, or other sort of government things, it wouldn't take a genius to, to hack into one of the big investment banks, um, you know, their corporate uh, side of things and start looking through some of the documents and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real problem, I guess, and it just shows us that we have to remain very vigilant with uh, with cyber security, I guess, firewalls, etc. Mm, I don't know so much about these firewalls. This is what worries me about this cloud computing, but that's another story. Japanese voters apparently will go to the polls in 12 days to elect yeah. a government that they have, and there doesn't seem to be any enthusiasm. Uh, it seems very little prospects of economic recovery over there for the foreseeable future, 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 future. Yes. Um, well, the Japanese economy has, has, has got some serious, serious issues, uh, one of which, as we talked about, is their, their demographic shift to, a, to an older, um, you know, older Japanese person, I guess. Um, but um, President, uh, Prime Minister Abe, rather, he is um, he's going to the polls. Um, at the moment, he's experimenting with something called Arbonomics, which is basically throwing as much money as they possibly can at the economy and trying to create some inflation to, to sort of inflate themselves out of this low growth. It certainly worked for the stock market because this, this money is pretty much free. 
um, <laughs> and the stock market has gone to a seven-year high, um, nearly eighteen sort of thousand on the uh, the Nikkei, which is which is pretty lofty. And of course, he's destroyed the currency in, in the in the process because of all this money printing. So as a result, the yen is, has collapsed, which is making it a lot easier for exporters. Which is primarily one of the reasons why um, our RBA wants our currency down to to help exporters. Um, the problem is, and it also does stoke inflation coming in as well. So they've got to be a little bit careful. And they also have this sales tax that they brought in, which is a bit like our GST. And uh, that killed the economy for a while. And they were due to bring another um, tranche of the of their GST and their sales tax in. And they've uh, they've stopped that because the first lot absolutely killed their economy dead. So, um, yeah, I don't know if the, the people of Japan have really got much enthusiasm for this election, but um, we'll wait and see. It sounds like it's happening around the world as far as elections. Now, the Japanese are facing a down, or the Japanese, Japan's facing a downgrade in its credit rating. Apparently, yeah. it's riskier now than South Korea and China. Yeah, it probably is. Mm. Um, it's certainly uh, certainly not going too well. But uh, the, the, as I said uh, just a minute ago, the markets don't seem to have cared one iota about the uh, the downgrade to their sovereign credit status because their their equity market is still all time. You know, it's going gangbusters over there. So. Um, yeah, no one seems to care. And then you look across the uh, the road to China, and the Chinese market's actually up 15% in the last 10 days. Mm. So that's a pretty good result as well. Isn't that interesting? Oh, and our friend, Raz Putin, I'm sorry, Vladimir Putin, got yeah. a bit of a defeat with his oil pipeline. Apparently, uh, the uh, looking at something like $26 billion, and that got knocked back. Who knocked that back? Uh, what happened there? Well, the... the Putin was going to put in a pipeline which was going to go sort of into the, the heart of Europe, but he was in Turkey recently, so he decided to sort of shift the pipeline away from uh, the European axis and through Turkey, which um, is an interesting move. Um, he certainly he's, he's not got too many friends at the moment in Europe, um, and uh, I don't think he really likes the Europeans either with all these sanctions they've, uh, they've put in place uh, after his uh, annexing of the Crimea and the, the problems in Ukraine. So. Yeah, Putin um, has got some problems at home, of course, because um, with this collapse in the oil price, the, the ruble has turned to rubble. <laughs> um, and and like the uh, like the Japanese yen, it is plunging depths to an extent that the uh, central bank has had to step in and try and uh, prop up the rubble, mm. which is hard to prop up rubble. Very much so. Henry, this is my last program this year, but I'd like to say to you, have a very happy family for you and your uh, uh, friends and so forth. Um, keep safe over Christmas. Don't drink too much. Don't drink any less. And I sincerely hope that you have a very happy and pleasant festive season. And to you, Barry, and I, I wish all the, uh, the listeners out there a very safe, happy and prosperous Christmas and New Year. And anyway, Henry, I think uh, Stephen will be with you next week. If you're still there... Um, well, who knows? Who knows? It's, it's a vastly changing world. <laughs> could win the lotto. <laughs> Keep safe, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. Could win lotto. And you, Barry, talk soon. Market snapshot with Henry Jennings on to a new RFM's Thursday Finance. Barry Preston, we are looking at how to build wealth. I think wealth sound, sounds like a great thing to aim at. Is it a hard thing to do? No. However... A system or a very simple strategy, it's a tried and proven simple, simple, simple one. You don't need a statement of advice from an advisor. You don't need a university degree. But there's something called CS, common sense, and the word discipline. And you can do it yourself.
Okay. So how do we go along um, finding out what their strategy is? First of all, open a cost-effective, best-interest rate, fee-free bank account. Take your time, look around, find one. Now, here's the strategy. Save and deposit 5%, if you're game enough, try 10%, of all you earn, whether you make it weekly work or whatever, and anything you win, 5% of it. Now, you can put it in weekly, monthly, or yearly. It's your choice, your plan. Now, remember, it's that simple. So we're looking at putting our savings into our account, right? That's it. Now, Now, look. What you really need here is one of the biggest challenges. You've got to have some discipline. Discipline, discipline. Keep it simple. Take the savings. And when it builds up, what you do then is you invest in some shares. I'm going to pick some shares at this stage and probably something that's fully franked and allows the dividend to be reinvested. Now, remember, keep it simple. Don't get into uh, all these fluffy uh, uh, hedge funds and whatever the case may be. This is a simple strategy that's not going to cost you anything to run, and you can do it yourself. Okay, so you're talking about good shares. What makes for a good share? Well, you've heard Henry, talk, <clears throat> pardon me, talk about Woolworths that are going that's going down. That is one company. Um, this is not a recommendation, but you can do your own research into things called listed investment companies. That's a company that takes your cash and pulls it with other people's, and it buys into numbers of shares on the market. It might invest 4% in Woolworths, 2% in BHP, 5% in National Bank, etc., 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 etc. So what it's doing is it's, it's spreading the risk. Um, it will, like any other thing, experience challenges over time. And one of the biggest challenges that anything faces, any business faces these days, is government legislation. That's one of the biggest challenges. Now, remember, we picked 5% of everything you earn. So let's assume that you started out and you put it away and you, a very simple thing you earned you had $2,000 in the account over the year. Now, that $2,000 may have earned you $20 worth of interest. Well, guess what? Multiply that by 5%, and you've got to put that into your savings. Again, as it builds up, invest in good quality, probably listed investment company shares that dividend reinvest. Oh, and by the way, when they pay their dividend, let's assume you get a dividend of $300, but you only get shares, you've got to put 5% of that $300 or $15 in your bank account. Okay, so you've got to keep track on how much you are actually earning. Yeah, but the point is you don't have to worry about this because it's all earning. You, you only, you're not getting it every week apart yes. from your own salary. The other thing builds up and you get paid interest every probably three months or every six months or 12 months and your dividend's paid every six months. So they're the things you keep track of. You'll know because you do get records. Put 5% of that into the account and keep it building. Now, here's one of your problems, younger people in particular. It is not instant gratification. It takes time. Remember, it's simple. Discipline, discipline, discipline. But I guarantee that it will build your wealth over time. I'm not talking about four or five years. I'm talking about 15, 20. Hey, look at your superannuation. There's a good example. But you can do this outside of superannuation. You take control of it, and your federal treasurer, when he says we're going to do this to your super or that to your super, you can say, ha ha, go jump, this is my wealth building. So government legislation really can make a difference, can't it, to... Oh, look, this is where businesses are having trouble at these days. They make a decision and somebody says we're going to put the carbon tax on, some say we're going to take it off, and you wouldn't have a clue whether you're 
Arthur Martha coming or going. This is one of the big problems. It's not building confidence. Irrespective of all the other things that people build into legislation, confidence, the, the masses, how the masses think. But remember, 5% of everything you earn or make, win, put it into an account, build it up, buy some good quality listed investment shares, and over time when they build up, you can also buy some other listed investment. There are some very solid ones that have been around. Don Bradman used to be a chairman of one of them. Uh, pardon? Argo. Argo, that's right. And another one that's older than that, Australian Foundation Investments. There's a lot of them on the market, but some of them uh, look at the bigger blue chip shares. The other ones, some of them look at the more down market, and some of them earn, would you believe, at the moment, 9 or 10%, that is, before franking. So that's a good strategy for um, keeping... Uh, well, well fact, building your own building wealth your with own your wealth. own simple strategy without having to sit down and re- run through reams of paper. Great. Okay. Well, Barry, we're just about coming to the end of Thursday Finance for today, and it's the end of your stint for this year. Stephen Pritchard will be taking over next week and be with us for and Thursday Finance. Possibly and possibly my last your... program after 15 years and something like 625, I think, or 630. And I think the walrus said it's time, isn't it? It's, uh, what is it? The time has come, the walrus said. I think that's an old thing. It's been wonderful having you on Thursday Finance. Thank I've you very much. Lots and you've been great to work with. (laughs) But uh, it's time to hang up the earphones and the mic and take a breather. And uh, as I say, it's my last program. Thank you, listeners. Uh, Without you, we'd have nothing. Uh, And our talk back once upon a time, we had to change that, in my opinion, because of uh, compliance and all that sort of stuff. But thank you very much to all those people that have listened and called the office. Uh, Really appreciate it. And I'd like you all to be very, very safe. Keep safe. I want you to have a fabulous Christmas. Uh, Chin up when your investments go south. But they'll always, most of them will always turn around and go up. Remember, stock markets somewhere in time will always go above the previous high. It may take time. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thursday Finance back next Thursday after the midday news.